Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, everybody. Apologies for the delays for those of you who've been hanging around in the uh, in the YouTube chat for the last 20 minutes. Welcome to a Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. It's kind of surprising, to be honest, Reem, that it took 15 months for this finally to happen. But, uh, you know, we uh, did some stuff in the morning. We were all ready for the program. And at 10 to 1, my internet crapped out. So uh, we tried uh, getting it going again and then realized that this was a five-alarm technological blaze. I got out of my spot, and uh, we're now here together. I don't see Remus in person very often, but here we are, dude, in uh, WSTHQ at uh, the bottom of your pad right now getting into the program. And uh, we do have a packed show coming up. Dave Pagnotta is going to join us in just a few minutes. We'll uh, have an extended Jets conversation and NHL talk with uh, none other than Kenny Weeb. We'll check in with Brian Munns out at the Ice Cave, getting ready for Game 1 tonight between the Ice and the Moose Jaw Warriors in their second-round WHL playoff series. And Kirk Contois from Assiniboia Downs will join us and hopefully give us some insight and maybe a winner for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, So better late than never. Apologies. Thanks to everyone who was with us, patiently waiting for us to get going in YouTube. And don't forget... We will have another marble race at the end of the program, right in and around 3 o'clock today, uh, or just thereabouts beforehand. So uh, let's get going. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, opening day coming up on the 13th, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. All right, Remo, well, uh, excellent ingenuity on your part to get us going, and uh, here we go, Friday afternoon show, better late than never, let's do this. How are you? I'm feeling good. We've talked about doing this type of show for a while, um, where we were together on a Friday, and here we are. You drove over quick, we got the setup. we're good to go. Uh, it all works. So, you know, we did this in like five minutes. So, uh, thank you everyone who waited and tuned in and we got a lot, a lot to get to. Uh, Well, we certainly do. And listen, I think we're going to probably be spending most of the time talking about the, um, you know, the national hockey league playoffs and what's not with the ice. I did want to get into this report, uh, from the Canadian football league of this, uh, they're in a labor negotiation right now and they need a new deal. And apparently the CFL has put forth an offer to the players, which would eliminate the Canadian ratio, which certainly will rub a number of people the wrong ways. But uh, maybe the thing that stood out to me, and I've never heard this maybe in the history of collective bargaining, they're offering a 10-year deal, Reem, with no change in the salary cap for the duration of the deal. It sounds like they don't expect revenues to you know, significantly be impacted until five years from now, till the TSN deal uh, exists. But I mean, I've spent the morning texting and talking to some contacts around the league that are really dialed into the Canadian Football League. And my initial response to this is, this sounds like one of the most ridiculous proposals I've ever heard. And that was echoed by many people around it. And I'll tell you what, if this is the way things are going, just days before the opening of training camp, Uh, I never thought I'd say this, but if we have some sort of a labor stoppage or a problem going into the CFL season, what a step backwards it would be. Now, I hope that this is all just posturing. I hope this is the old thing where you're hoping to get 20 bucks, you ask for 100, and you negotiate in the middle. 
Uh, but I got to tell you, uh, you know, going into the weekend, and I know the PA is going to be speaking this afternoon at 4 p.m., um, some rough waters ahead for the Canadian Football League. We knew at some point there was going to be a reckoning when it came to coming out of the pandemic. They already lost the season. But it seemed like they were on the same page on so many things. So to get this news over the past 24 hours heading into the weekend with training camp so close, not good news for fans regardless of what CFL team you support. Yeah, our social media has been blowing up. Uh, people really upset about the possible elimination of the ratio. I'm I'm here to listen to that. The thing that would be most concerning to me as a player was the salary cup cap not going up over 10 years. I don't know why any player would agree to that. And I think you have to be concerned that they're really not counting on revenues going up until the TV deal expires. You can't have one revenue source being, uh, what, tickets, sales, and TV deals. You've got to think of something else here. So this is something we'll be monitoring uh, as we move on. Now, uh, here's a couple bits, and the guys at 3 Down Nation have been doing a great job compiling this. The CFL did push back against a report they want to eliminate the Canadian ratio as part of collective bargaining with the recent tweet or statement, Canadian players are the lifeblood of the CFL game, along with veteran American, American players to make a career here. That will not change. So, uh, listen, I just figured we'd start off that. We're going to get to Dave Pagnotta right now and talk some hockey. Uh, but certainly coming out of the weekend on Monday's program, we'll have uh, we'll get hopefully Jeff Hamilton on and maybe another guest, maybe one of the three down guys to give us an idea about what's transpired over the weekend with both the PA and the Canadian Football League. All right, just before we bring in Dave Pagnotta, big thanks to our friends at Wallace and Wallace. Great to have them on board. They're Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, they they got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. Wallace & Wallace has the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. Wallace & Wallace experts can arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, the gang at F Apparel are ready for summer. Talking to a couple people today, planning weddings, and uh, the whole gang taking advantage of that great 15% off deal for a wedding party to get outfitted for the uh, the big day over at F Apparel. And it's a great time to get down there. Over 250 styles and fabrics that have come in for great summer looks. Pop down and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown, or make an appointment. Find out more online at fephapparel.com. And, of course, it's Mother's Day you might want to pop by Vita Health Fresh Market and make sure mom's got a great gift for her waiting for her on Sunday. Vita Health stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local organic and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. Not to mention a great grab-and-go deli with Vita Market soup, salads, and sandwiches. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And check them out online at myvita.ca, a relaunched, fully shoppable website. So you can pick out everything you want, and if you need, schedule a delivery with Instacart. All right, after some technical glitches prevented us from uh, having a smooth start to the program, let's get right into it and bring in a real professional, Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period. Dave, what's good, man? Great to have you on the program. You know, we've got you muted here. We're just going to make sure we've got Oh, you. I had him muted. That, that was it. Okay, there you are. Good. Dave, how are you? Sorry about that. 
well, that's exactly what happened. Ten minutes before the program, I'm back at my place and my internet completely cut out. I jumped into my car, Grandma over. Shout out to Remus for doing a quick makeshift studio, and we are we are good to go. But listen, we've got a lot to talk about Stanley Cup playoffs. But listen, we saw you and Dennis here in Winnipeg uh, towards the end of the season. It was great to see you guys in person there for the Kings game. Um, the Jets were sort of just finishing out the season in a very disappointing year. I'm sure you've heard some of the comments coming out of the Jet dressing room at the end of the year with the exclamation yep. point being Mark Shifley's comments after Sunday's game. Um, I know you're dialed in. I mean, what are you hearing? What are people saying about the Winnipeg Jets in this situation around the league? What are you hearing about this club here in the peg? You know, around the time that we came for that Kings game, there was a lot of talk over Mark Shifley and changes that were likely to happen in the offseason. Nobody could really get a good grasp and, and understand what the heck was going on. Why was Shifley part of that? Why was he? Why was his name continuously brought up into that into those discussions? I guess we have a better indication now as to what that uh, revolved around. And clearly, if you're not going to ask for a trade publicly, that was probably the smoothest way he <laughs> he kind of went about it. Um, and, and obviously, when you say that, hey, look, I haven't talked to my GM yet. It's going to be a tough discussion. Well, okay, that kind of means to me that uh, either you're, you're basically giving them an ultimatum. So I, I think for the most part, this is going to be something that we're going to hear more of as we get closer to the draft in July. And there's probably a really good chance. I thought there was about a decent enough chance that Shifley might get dealt in the offseason after his comments and after more was revealed last week. I just don't see a scenario where he's on the Jets next season. Sort of been had that feeling growing throughout the year. I mean, at first... You know, before even any of this happened, when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, the way they're built, look at the contract that Shifley has, if the team was going to make a significant move to the core, I think all eyes pointed at 55, considering the value of his deal, two years left, and what you'd be able to get for Mark Shifley now, as opposed to a diminishing asset going into a final year and then unrestricted free agency. But when we hear what Mark Shifley said, never mind Shifley, Kyle Connor, Neil Pionk, Nikolai Ehlers, and for my money, Paul Statney's statement, Paul, Paul Statney talking about players not respecting their fellow guys that they're going out with was about as damning an indictment without directly pointing a figure at guys you'll ever hear coming out of an NHL dressing room. And, you know, those comments, as much as what Shifley did and didn't say, I think really have the writing on the wall that we are going to see a major shakeup for a team that was, um, you know, obviously a very disappointing team considering their expectations coming into the year. And, and I don't know that this is exclusive to Shifley. I mean, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois has a contract that he needs to sign. He's an RFA, but there's been some back and forth, some juggling as to the messaging as to whether or not he wants to be there long-term. He's saying the right things. But you kind of read between the lines and you're going, okay, well, unless you give him the contract that he's that he wants or close to it, that he's just going to say, all right, well, either I'll sh- sign a short term and I'll be in a UFA and I'll, I'll see you later, or you trade me. And I think this goes beyond just Mark Scheifele in terms of the comments that were made inside the room, which to me leads me to believe that there's certainly, and, and without a doubt, some type of cultural issue that's that's wrong in the dressing room that they have to remedy and they have to fix. And that's up to Kevin Sheveldayoff, new extension. They, there's full confidence in him guiding this ship forward. And I apologize if you hear some dogs yapping in the background. Um, but uh, again, the power of, of, of the internet and this kind of stuff. Uh, but um, I, I anticipate some changes certainly being made with Shifley kind of leading that charge. Or excuse me, Shevel Dayoff leading that charge in, in restructuring part of this group. They still want to be competitive. They still want to compete for a cup. 
And I think the season that Cal Connor has certainly emphasized the fact that they can still compete now, but they have to make those cosmetic changes. Well, and you know, you bring up Dubois. It's a great point in that. I mean, I think he, no matter what, was number one priority for the Winnipeg Jets to to, to get signed long term. And that was part of the deal with what they gave up to get him here, Dave. Um but with the potential of Shifley leaving and the real difficulty, I mean, when you're making a trade to bring back a center anywhere close to the quality of Mark Shifley overall, uh, it certainly helps out PLD's negotiating process. And to be yeah. honest, Paul Stastny's a guy with the UFA deal going forward. I mean, I think we've realized that he's been the conscience of this team for most all. And I think that the need for the Jets to get Stastny back cranked up exponentially yeah. coming out of the aftermath of the end of the regular season as well. Yeah, I think so. And and based on those comments, you look at him as a leader in the room, and if he's comfortable in making those kinds of comments, and it doesn't seem like there was any pushback from anybody in the organization about it, leads me to believe, yeah, they want to keep him. They want to have him around. But if he's going to stay, those people that he was referring to, they've got to leave. And if it is Shifley, if it is Dubois, um, then, I mean, those are going to be significant moves. We already saw the big move in line eight for Dubois. So how is this going to go? Are they going to address their blue line by moving one of these guys potentially? Are they going to bring in a top uh, pair defenseman? Can they do that by moving one of these two guys? What teams are going to be available? Are, are they looking at, at current assets and futures? Do they flip those for other pieces? I mean, I would imagine these are hockey-type moves. And if you're looking at this roster and you're looking what's available and you're looking at some of the teams that are out there, I mean, if I'm Shovel Day off, I'm calling up uh, Chuck Fletcher in Philadelphia and I'm going, hey, that uh, Provorov guy. How about we have a conversation there and see if Mark Shifley might be a guy that would make that work? Yeah. And, and, you know, we've heard from many people, and I think Elliot Friedman spoke about this on 32 Thoughts earlier this week, that, you know, despite, you know, maybe a bit of a tarnished image for Shifley, uh, you know, with what that he said in the season that he's had, Dave. Um, I think that they're, especially when you consider his contract at just north of $6 million, the amount of the, yep. how productive he's been over the year, there will be a real significant market for this player going forward. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's without a question, there's going to be a lot of interest in Mark Shifley and you're right. His cap hit for the next two seasons, six and a quarter mil. I mean, for, for what he produces 80 plus point, let's say he's a point of game player, um, uh, and I'd imagine that wherever he ends up, you're going to put him in an obviously an opportunity to succeed. He's going to be brought into a, an environment that has some pieces in place that he would presumably gel with, at least on paper, it would look good. So you've got to imagine his numbers will remain consistent at a point of game pace, if not more. So that's the type of player you're dealing with. Plus the fact that he has a pretty nice contract. He can play center. Certainly he can play the right wing. So depending on where you went, you, where you envision this player, uh, he, he's, he's certainly attractive to a number of teams. I mentioned Philly because of the defenseman aspect. They were listing on Provorov and Sandheim down the deadline, but it would take a big deal to, to kind of make that happen. Is Shifley going to be part of that piece? Is that attractive enough for Philly? If not, yeah, you're going to have other pieces that are looking to make some moves to bring in this caliber of a player, this versatile player, and this guy that can fit from a cap perspective. So there's, there's without question going to be a lot of interest there. And then if you're, if you're Chevy at the same time, you've got to juggle out those the scenarios. Let's say Dubois, they start entertaining those conversations there. Does it make sense moving both of them? Could you get what you want moving both of them? You may have to pick one. And if it is Dubois, because there's a better return, can you uh, kind of remedy what's going on with Shife? I mean, that's something that they have to figure out over these next few weeks. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, uh, I'll tell you this. I mean, stranger things have happened. 
But the way that this season has gone, and to be honest, the trajectory of this team since the 2018-19 season, where I think some of the uh, warning signs came out, um, I would imagine, I'm pretty sure that this organization knows exactly what they've been dealing with. And, you know, I think that they've been as patient as they can, trying to get things turned around, trying to work things internally. Uh, But where we stand right now, I'd be stunned if Mark Scheifele's a Winnipeg Jet next year. And, I mean, to to that point, I think that makes the push to get Dubois signed that much more important, especially with him knowing that if Shifley is out, he will be the guy going forward. And I think that's something that he wants. And certainly he was for the majority yeah. of the time, even if we weren't calling him the number one center, he and Kyle Connor were the offensive cogs for this team for the majority of the year. Shifley and Wheeler both picked up in the second half of the season, but um, you know, the drivers without a doubt, and when we're talking about the center position was Pierre-Luc Dubois. And the other side of things is if you do trademark Shifley, it's a huge, huge hole at center. I have no doubt that they would love a player like Ivan Provorov or, you know, a top pairing defenseman that could handle big minutes. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that if you're taking out a point of player game in your top six that played as much as Mark Shifley did, um, that's, you know, there's a number of other moves that have to come after that. Not to mention yeah. the Jet Blue line already has been so crowded. I mean, Billy Hanela, Dylan Sandberg, these guys are ready to play in the National Hockey League. And you've got a bunch of veteran players on long term deals. So even uh, aside from this entire situation involving Mark Scheifler, what they do up front, there was already a need to move one, maybe two contracts from the Blue line to, uh, you know, open up a little space for some younger players and allow you to use that cap room on improving the forward group. And that's why we heard Brendan Dillon's name uh, so much leading up to the trade deadline. He was a guy that the Jets were talking about, teams were having uh, discussions about, and I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he has moved this offseason. If they do have those types of discussions, like he's got, correct me if I'm wrong, one or two years left on his deal. Um, but, you know, you bring in, and, and look, we know and the narrative has been uh, a top pair defenseman has been lacking from this team ever since Dustin Bufflin left. Um, so if you can get him through one deal, utilize those assets, perhaps adjust and bring in somebody on that on that second line uh, to center. We know how important that is. Look at Boston. Uh, they lose David Krejci. He went back home uh, in, in the Czech Republic or in Czechia. And Eric Halleck got the call to kind of get moved up in the lineup. And as good as he did perform playoff time, it hasn't been as productive for the Boston Bruins. So you have to factor those little elements in. You're absolutely right. If they do move Shifley, well, yeah, you're going to have a hole at that center position. Even if you do bring in a top pair D, that you're going to have to uh, adjust it and address, excuse me, at, at some point. So this isn't just a quick fix. This isn't a quick cosmetic change for the Winnipeg Jets and voila, everything's done. So I don't, I don't know if moving him for another center, if that type of deal is really viable, it may be a guy on the wing and they may, may have to move other assets to bring in potentially a second line center. Uh, you can go the free agent route. I don't think there are too many that are really available. Um, it's a D heavy draft class. That may be somewhere where, you know, maybe they focus on D, try to bring in another element up front. But it's going to be interesting to see how Chevy kind of navigates those trade waters to try to fill these holes Um, because they do have a lot of good pieces in place and Hellebuck wants to stick around. So another good sign that you've you've got some interesting moves that you got to make in order to cosmetically adjust this roster going into next season. You know what? I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, if you look at the entire league, I mean, the Jets might be the most interesting team in the entire National Hockey League heading into the offseason. We've talked all about the players. We haven't even mentioned they need to find a new head coach as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and that search has quietly begun. Um, and I mean, yeah, that, that's a that's a big component to it. And if you're a head coach going into this situation, I mean, you kind of want to know what those changes are going to be, too. What's my roster going to look like? 
is Scheif out? Are, are we bringing in a potential, you know, who are the potential players or, or the types of players that may come into that so I can pre- prepare and properly plan for the season? And maybe I don't want to go in this direction. Maybe I want to explore Philadelphia uh, or Detroit or some of the other coaching options that may be available out there. It's as important as it is, you know, to, to piece these holes together. The head coach wants to know what he's dealing with as well. So you're right. That's going to be another element that certainly without question is important for this club. And they got to start figuring that out. I suspect we're going to see some names that'll pop up as the playoffs kind of wrap up to see if there are any assistants or anybody that they may look to, uh, to speak with. But um, this is something that they certainly would like ideally to have in place by draft time. And that's also a period in which we've seen over the years, a lot of deals get done. Dave Pagnotto of the fourth period is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Moving on from the Jets to what's happening right now. I mean, listen, this this is shaping up potentially be one of the best first rounds ever. Uh, we've got, what, six yeah. series that are tied at one. I think there is the potential that come those back-to-back days of Game 7s, we could have multiple games on either sides of things. But let me ask you this. You've been watching no. this game for a long time. Have you ever... Can you ever remember a scenario where two te- three teams in the league were on their third-string goaltenders in Game 2 of a first-round <laughs> series in the playoffs, Dave? No. No, not to this, not to this extent. Not, not come playoff time. I mean, this is absolutely this is remarkable to have Louis Domingue come in and perform well. Look, I know they lost last night, but he held his ground, you know, for the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, under the circumstances to see that scenario play out, to see what's going on in Nashville. Um, as well. I mean, there's 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 a lot of interesting storylines that are going on. We're seeing the offense kind of maintain itself from from the regular season, which is which is great to see. But to see in these different scenarios where you've got your starters out, your backups hurt, uh, there was an e-bug situation potentially in Carolina. Uh, so, I mean, he was just hanging out in the dressing room waiting, kind of probably hoping that he wasn't going to go in. But um, this is, yeah, this is this is unprecedented. This is Interesting time, and it also amplifies the importance of why a lot of teams make sure that they've got two steady goaltenders, especially down the stretch, but come playoff time, because you never know what's going to happen in this playoff season so far is indicative of that. Never mind two steady goaltenders. A good third option yeah. would help, too. And right. hey, credit to Carolina <laughs> for being up to nothing. I mean, they yep. dominated Boston throughout the regular season, and they really have had their way so far in this series. Uh, but I'll tell you, let me ask you about the Calgary Flames. They've got one goal through two games. What gives? Is this Rick Bonus and the Dallas Stars just squeezing the Flames into a, a style of hockey that they're not necessarily uncomfortable? Or are the pucks just not going in for them? No, it's 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 a combination. Um, you know, Daryl Sutter's group did the same thing in the first game. They got their lead. They held back. They, they threw the body. They played a lot tighter. They didn't really try to do too much offensively. I mean, and then the script was reversed last night for the Dallas Stars. The exact same kind of situation playing out. They got the extra goal because of the empty netter. But, I mean, it was it was the same thing. And we knew Dallas was going to toss the body more. They needed to be more physical in that game. They couldn't be intimidated. They needed to respond in game two, and they did that. I was expecting more offense, certainly. Um, but I, I think we have a pretty good idea and a pretty good gist of how this series is going to play out. I mean, this is going to be potentially a, just a grind of a series if both of these teams are going to keep this up. And... You know, again, just watching this and talking to a couple players on on both of these teams the last you know few days since the player uh, playoff started. Excuse me, um, they're they're both uh, both sides are pretty comfortable uh, in in playing this kind of game. Okay, you want to try to throw the body? Fine, we'll we'll be able to play that game. Oh, you you want to tighten things up defensively? Sure, we could do that as well. I mean, everything looks good until you know John Klingberg gets in another scrap next game and breaks a hand. Like 
he, your star players need to relax when it comes to, you know, dropping the mitts. I know it's, it looks good and it feels good and it gets the team riled up, but you got to be smart about it as well. Um, we'll see how game three goes tomorrow night. But I mean, it, I, I didn't expect it to go this way by any stretch. Um, but I mean, you know, obviously here we are and Dallas is, I give them credit, they're holding their own. And the other element here is their secondary scoring contributed last game. Not, I mean, not from the score sheet perspective, just in creating opportunities. We didn't see that as much in game one. If that's going to continue, that might be a little problematic for Calgary, who now their secondary scoring needs to create opportunities next game. No doubt about it. Uh, no Wayne Simmons in the lineup tonight. I imagine uh, Sheldon Keith <laughs> might want a little more discipline from some of his clubs, especially, and listen, yeah. I mean, I'll put this on Alex Kerfoot, that penalty that he took at the end of the first period after the Leafs were awesome in the first 20 minutes. Um, you know, the headman goal of 1.4 seemed to really give the lightning momentum, but you knew that they were going to bounce back. I got to tell you, the first two games of this series have been phenomenal. I've been very impressed with just how hungry and hard the Leafs have been playing. Uh, and I think they knew that they were going to get a punch back from Tampa after the way they handled them in uh, game number one. To me, this has all the signs of a series that could very well go the distance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everybody, including the Leafs, were surprised at the performance of the Tampa Bay Lightning in game one. Totally uncharacteristic of, of them. And yeah, they did bounce back in, in game two. Um, and being there to cover both of those games, you see the different elements. You see the energy that was displayed by both of these clubs. And yeah, a little bit too much from Wayne Simmons. I mean, after that second penalty or that, that near trying to fight, I don't know what he was doing. Um, I kind of looked at buddy next to me and I go, yeah, I think we might not see Simmons around for, for the next few games at least. Um, there's, there's intimidating and then there's kind of going a little bit too far and Obviously, the, life, the, the Leafs didn't like that. Jason Spezza will slot in tonight. They also made a change on the blue line. Justin Hall is coming in for Timothy Lilgren. Uh, I don't know about that one from, from my side of things, but, hey, I'm not the coach. So Sheldon Keefe uh, is going to put up the roster. He thinks his best. Andre Kasha didn't, didn't skate this morning, but he is going to be playing uh, tonight. And I, I think this is going to be a tight one. I, I'm anticipating a tighter game. We saw uh, – you know, the Leafs that were down 5-1 going into halfway through the third period. At that point, I thought it was over. I thought the Leafs were just going to roll over and focus on the next game. But they really impressed me with the fact that they were able to come back, get two goals, get that shorty, and only be down 5-3. I think they'll carry that momentum into game three tonight. But at the same time, I think we're going to see a tighter game. Uh, I don't think we'll see the winner getting five goals on the scoreboard. I think this is going to be one of those 3-2 kind of scenarios um, that'll play out. I've been wrong before. could be wrong again tonight, but it just kind of looks like it's trending in that direction. You know what? I'm with you on that. I mean, full disclosure, I picked the Lightning to win this series, kind of basing it on the experience, the guy yep. that they have between the pipes. Uh, and it's so going to sound weird, but coming out of game number two, the way they played in that first period, the resiliency they showed in the third period, I think I feel better about the Leafs today than I did going huh? into game number two. Um, I want to hit on Minnesota-St. Louis quickly for you because St. Louis dominated the first game. And if you watch the first half of the first period, they were all over Minnesota. And it was a, a fluke broken stick on a clearing attempt in their own zone that Minnesota took advantage, scoring on their first shot well into the first period that seemingly gave them the boost that they needed. And often, Dave, you look at the way playoffs happen, it could be a bad penalty. It could be a broken stick. There can be one single moment that often can completely flip a series. It certainly flipped that game. And uh, now I think we're back on track to have the seven-game slugfest that I think many of us expected when Minnesota and St. Louis dropped the puck in game one. Yeah, that's what I anticipated. I got this, this series going seven. I have St. Louis in it. 
Um, but you're right. And, and I think now that you're on home ice, you're back in St. Louis, if you're the Blues, you take that the momentum from the first game, you take what you did in that first period, and you bring that onto home ice in, in St. Louis. I think we're going to see that type of response from the Blues in, in this game. But I think I, I agree. I think this is going to be a shot for shot kind of kind of series. You're going to go back and forth in this one. And St. Louis, I mean, they're going to be in tough, certainly, but um, because of the home ice situation with Minnesota at the end of it for a game seven. But look, this is a different St. Louis Blues team than the one that won the Stanley Cup a, a few years ago. They're a lot quicker. They're a lot more offensively driven. Um, their, their, their decor has, has modified itself over the last you know, few years, but the offense really is what has been carrying this team, of course, with the great play of, of Ville Husso in net, which is reminiscent uh, to a certain extent of what Jordan Bennington uh, and the run that he went on when they won the Stanley Cup and Bitter's there as well. Um, and, and they know they can slot him in if they need to, but they're going to ride Husso for, the, for as long as they can. Um, and then you look at Minnesota, another team that I, I understand the goaltending decision. Um, and it sounds like from, from what I had heard that Minnesota wants to keep Flower back. They want him again next season. I got to wonder about the future of Cam Talbot if that ultimately does become the case. But for now, uh, this is, this is a, a strong team. They've got their offensive weapons as well. And they can combat this team and, as they've proven uh, not just in the series, but all season long. So I, this is, for me, this was my favorite series going into the playoffs. And uh, I'm looking forward to game three. Dave Pagnotta is with us from the fourth period. Dave, uh, keep us up to date if you hear any interesting stuff on the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, uh, fill people in on what you and the fellows will have uh, as the playoffs continue in this amazing first round progresses. Yeah, we're going to continue um, all our, our, uh, our playoff coverage. Excuse me. We'll be doing pre and post game analysis for the Canadian series as long as the Canadian teams roll around. Uh, we've got myself, Dennis Bernstein, Irfan Gafar, and Aaron Ward as well uh, joining us uh, for our analysis throughout the course of the playoffs. Dennis is following the Kings and the Oilers. I'm following Tampa and the Leafs. Not today, but I'll be together at, at game four as well. Um, and we'll just be keeping this going throughout the course of the uh, of the postseason. So uh, fun stuff for us, and uh, we're we're looking forward to to dishing out the content. Yeah, well, with all the uh, with everything going on around here and this Winnipeg club and the fans here that are with us in the chat, it has been <laughs> a great uh, release to see what's going on right now. And you frankly see what the rest of the 16 teams that aren't participating, where they have to get to, uh, because, man, this first round has been great. Dave, thanks so much for doing this. Yep. Always great having you on the show. You got it. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. Take care. Say hi to Dennis. All right, there's Dave Pagnotta. Kenny Weeb's coming up. We will break down and get Ken's thoughts on uh, everything that's transpired over the past week with the end of the uh, season. Uh, but just in a second, we're going to head out to the ice cave and catch up with Brian Munns to uh, tee up tonight's game one of round two of the Western Hockey League playoffs. Uh, well, Ken will be here. He'll be well hydrated. And when you're thinking hydrated, you're thinking water. Of course, our friends at Culligan Water, the experts, family owned and doing it in Winnipeg for 65 plus years. Culligan has it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for your home, the cottage coming up this summer or the office, Culligan's got you covered for all your water needs. 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180, and online at drink 
CulliganCulligan.com. I popped into Manitoba Battery yesterday, saw Donnie and the great staff there. They had mentioned, I want to give a shout out to a number of people who had mentioned, uh, had popped in and mentioned Winnipeg Sports Talk when they went into Manitoba Battery. Uh, they said they've had a lot of people coming in with the late hours. Now they're extended until 8 p.m. And uh, certainly appreciate all of you mentioning that to any of our sponsors that you're uh, you're supporting. Uh, but Manitoba Battery is a great spot. Listen, if you need batteries, save the time to go to the big box stores and save money. As I've been telling you all along, I mean, many batteries you're looking at about 125 bucks. not to mention going there, parking, waiting, the gas to get there. Manitoba Battery, you'll save 15 bucks on it and it'll be delivered to your spot and they'll buy your old battery for 10 bucks. Bottom line is you're saving time, you're saving money, you're supporting local at Manitoba Battery. They're at 1026 Logan Avenue, open till 8 weekdays right now during their special expanded spring hours online at manitobabattery.com or give them a call 783-8787. They'll get your order ready for you to pick up quick and easy over at Manitoba Battery. And uh, oh my God, it's gorgeous outside. Going to be a great weekend to get outside whether you're thinking soccer softball baseball fitness you want to get on a bike royal sports has you covered and uh, we need to get into that wst disc golf outing as well things are drying out you can get your discs at royal sports and get out and have some fun outside not to mention the best selection of licensed merchandise including more and more canada soccer gear coming in Speaking of soccer, Valor FC home opener tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but pop by Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and follow them on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina. All right, Ken Weeb coming up in just a second. Right now, though, let's head to the Ice Cave and get a round two preview with our pal Brian Munz. Munzy, what's going on? How's the vibe around the rink before round two gets going tonight? Yeah, everything's good, Huss. Uh, thanks for checking in. Obviously, a lot of excitement with round two getting underway tonight. It's been a week for both clubs. Last Friday, one of was able to eliminate Prince Albert, and the Warriors knocked off the Saskatoon Blades. So it's fair to say that both teams are kind of itching to get going here tonight. Hey, quickly, just before we get into the round two matchup, uh, some pretty great yeah. news for a couple young players on the ice. Uh, the Central Scouting final rankings came out. Uh, Matt Savoy, number four amongst American skaters, and Connor Geeky, number five, and Mikey Milne as well, checking on the list. Uh, I, listen, great seasons for all those young men, but uh, nice to see those names high up on that list going into the draft in Montreal. Yeah, it sure was, and really no surprise that uh, those guys were involved. They've been the talk of the team the entire year. Amongst the NHL scouts, there's so many really good players on this team that you know we've talked about all season long, and I guess that's why they finished where they did during the 68-game regular season schedule. But I can tell you, uh, leading into this series and throwing the fact that Jagger Furkus and Denton Matejchuk were 12 and 14 respectively for Moose you look at Zach Benson for next year, uh, Braden Jagger for next year, and then the players that have already been picked right now, there's a ton of scouts who are expected to be here for this series. And my phone's been ringing off the hook to make sure that they'd be able to get in and have a spot to watch uh, the first two games in the series tonight and tomorrow. So not only from a fan standpoint, but from an NHL standpoint as well, there's a lot of buzz coming into this one here tonight. Well, no doubt about it. And of course, no better uh, opportunity for these young guys to maybe further boost their draft stock yeah. than to come up big at the most important time of the year. Paint the picture. Uh, Winnipeg had a nice run, a quick five-game series in round number one practice all week. Uh, how do these teams match up and fill us in on uh, exactly what has uh, what went on in the regular season between these two clubs? Well, it was an interesting series uh, during the regular campaign. They played seven times, and Winnipeg had much more success in this building here 
than they had in Moose Jaw. They were able to win inside Mosaic Place as well. But, uh, you know, I was talking to a little bit of the, the Warriors this morning at their pregame skate, and, and they were kind of curious to see how the games went against the Raiders here inside the ice cave because it's been a tough building for everybody to play in. The fans are right on top of you, and there's obviously a little bit of a, an extra boost when you're at home, and, and the ice played so well in this facility during the 34 games they played and then through the first three against the Raiders that, uh, you know, the Warriors are kind of looking over their shoulder a little bit, but... Uh, Moose Jaw's got talent. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they've got a veteran goaltender in Tedichuk who, who was able to steal a lot of games for the Warriors himself this year. He's in his final year, and you know Mark O'Leary and Jason Ripplinger brought him in for a reason to kind of sustain things in the back end because they have so much firepower up front. So I expect, I don't want to say a high-scoring series, but I expect a lot of grade-A scoring chances. I think both Tedichuk and obviously Daniel Hauser from Winnipeg are going to keep the game on the lower end goals against wise. But if one ends up being six, five, one night, it wouldn't surprise me either. Just based on the scoring that's there, but uh, two really good blue lines. Carson Lambos obviously leads things for Winnipeg, And, you know, Damon Hunt uh, is taking part in the morning skate this morning. We don't know if he's going to be a player yet for the series. Uh, I mentioned Denton Matejczak earlier on for the upcoming draft. Those three defensemen themselves uh, are going to be ones we're going to be watching on television for a long time in the National Hockey League in years to come. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like, these are two very skilled hockey clubs that are going head-to-head here in round two, which is going to be a treat to watch. Munzi, we just talked about Matt Savoy, number four in the central scouting list for North Americans. He did miss part of the series in round number one. How's he feeling? What's the overall health of the Winnipeg Ice going into tonight's game one? Yeah, he's good to go. And uh, back on that line, obviously, with Zach Benson and Connor Geeky and is uh, when you look all the way down the lineup here right now, that's the one reason why the ice have had so much success is the depth, right? Like their top nine forwards, you can say it's lines one, A, B, and C all the way through. And when James Patrick can kind of put whichever of those three lines he wants on the ice out against anybody, and they're going to make some things happen. So Savoy's good. Um, you know what? Knock on wood right now. They've had a really good series in that department. And, uh, you hope it continues here all the way through. And I think that's what adds to the excitement of it is other than Damon Hunt right now for Moose Jaw, who's a question mark coming into game one here tonight, both teams have their full complement ready to go. Well, that's certainly what you, you'd hope to see at this time of year, although with the attrition of the playoffs, it's not always the case. Yeah. Listen, Munzi, I mean, we talk so much about the firepower of the Winnipeg Ice and the guys up front, uh, but we can't omit talking about Daniel Hauser. Continues to put up huge numbers. Um, listen, you got to score goals, but you also need goaltending. And man, has this young man provided an incredible level of just that for Winnipeg this season and so far in the post. Yeah, his goals against average coming in tonight uh, through five games against PA sits at 1.61. And in the WHL playoffs, when you can do that in a high-scoring league, uh, it says a lot about what you've been able to do as an individual. And, you know, you know, as much as we talk about what this club does at the other end of the ice, everything starts for them in their own half. Like, you throw up Matt Savoy, and I, you know, I talked to Connor Geeky this morning for our ice TV preview, and every answer starts, okay, if we do it right in our own zone, then things will translate into the offensive zone here. So Daniel's been really good. He, uh, he and Gage Alexander have obviously been the backbone for this team all the way through. And uh, personally, I'd love to see him in that ranking, but uh, apparently he's an inch or two short for the, the NHL Central Scouts. So uh, we'll let his play continue to do the talking on the ice. And uh, hopefully he gets a chance coming up uh, to draft in Montreal to hear his name as well. And if he doesn't, then you know what? He just continues to play and, and gets an opportunity to uh, to get to the league at that point uh, down that road. 
7 o'clock puck drop tonight between Moose Jaw and Winnipeg at the Ice Cave in Game 1. Uh, Muzzy, fill us in on the schedule. They'll go back-to-back Friday, Saturday, and then uh, it's out yeah. west. Yeah, uh, Games 1 and 2 here tonight and tomorrow. Tickets are still available at winnipegice.ca. And then the Warriors will host Games 3 and 4 coming up on Tuesday, Wednesday. And then after that, it's every second night back and forth if necessary for both clubs. Uh, Winnipeg would host Game 5 here on Friday night. Back into Moose Jaw a week on Sunday. And then if it came down to the wire, Game 7 would be on the following Tuesday night. Uh, Munzi, before we go, um, we knew the atmosphere was just unreal for Game Number 1. I know there's a ton of excitement going into this weekend and these two games tonight. Uh, any tickets left? Uh, how can people get in if they haven't already secured their seat for tonight's matchup on Saturday? Yeah, tickets are available for uh, both games right now. Again, winnipegice.ca is all your Answers to uh, how to get you into the building. The seating chart is there so you can pick exactly where you want to uh, sit if you want a specific seat. Or general admission has been one thing that I'm kind of new to. You know, you and I are so used to the NHL where everybody walks into the building and, okay, here's your assigned seat. There is general admission seating where it's a ticket to get in the door. And then, uh, you know what, the, the standing area around the top that's uh, in behind me right now or down along the glass in the party lounge area, uh, if you can find a spot to stand and uh, kind of see a vantage point that you like, all you need to do is get a general admission seat to get yourself into the building and uh, and take advantage of that. So there's there's lots of ways to come in and, and enjoy the weekend for sure. Well, they'll pack them in tonight, and I'm sure the vibe will be great in the rink. And uh, I imagine the vibe's great inside that room right now. It had been so long since most of these players had an opportunity to even play playoff hockey to get that win and to move on into round two. Uh, I imagine we're going to see the best of the ice all fired up and ready to drop it tonight at 7. It was surprising that uh, Jack Finley and uh, Jared Newell were the only two players coming in to this postseason for Winnipeg that had played playoff hockey. And that was back in 2019 when uh, Finley was with the Spokane Chiefs and Jared Newell got one game in with the Tri-City Americans. So they are uh, they're well accustomed to it now. Huss, they've got five games under their belt. <laughs> well, let's uh, hope they can uh, make it another nice win to start off the series tonight. Again, Friday, Saturday at the Ice Cave, 7 p.m. Check out more ticket information on the Winnipeg Ice website. And uh, folks, get out. If you haven't seen these t- these teams, uh, you'll be very impressed. Munzi, good luck to the lads on the weekend. And uh, hopefully we continue having continue having many chats about the ice as they uh, push towards a hopeful WHL championship and a spot in the Memorial Cup. It all starts tonight in round two. Happy to catch up, Huss, anytime. Say hi to Reba. Thanks, bud. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Perfect, dude. All right, great stuff from Munzee. As you can see, we uh, hooked up with Brian just before the show, right before the internet crapped out, and we had to go to Plan B. But uh, we're here at WSTHQ at the uh, Remo Dome, and uh, looking forward to having Ken Weeb join us in just a couple minutes. And, of course, we've got a Cinnaboy Downs back on board. Cannot wait for opening day on March 23rd. Kirk Contois, a little later on, give us some uh, some ideas on who we should be backing for the Kentucky Derby coming up on Saturday. All right, while we wait for Ken to get in, uh, talking to Corey over Breezy Bend last night, they are so fired up for the course to open next week. I know some courses are opening in and around the city, potentially even as early as this weekend. So if you're looking to catch a Muni, um, I would call your local course. If you're looking for a great long-term home for you and your family's golf, though, Breezy Bend certainly is should be at the top of your list. Give Corey Johnson a call. He'll let you know about where they're at for this year with a waiting list as well as their junior programs, women's golf programs, and all the great social activities in and around Breezy Bend as well. You can find out more online at breezybend.ca. 
Uh, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, you know where to go, folks. Don't go anywhere before you talk to the experts over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGillivray. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Um, and if you're thinking about an electric vehicle, talk to them about their Tesla Experience program where you'll find out uh, everything about the electric vehicles, how they're different than the cars you've been driving in the past, and let you try them out as well. Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Uh, the weekend is here. You know, if we had a little bit more time to plan, if we weren't going to be able to do it from our normal spot... I would have suggested we go down to Little Brown Jug, and uh, we'll try and get out there at some point this summer, maybe for a Friday afternoon show and welcome a bunch of you down uh, for it. If you've never been down to the brewery and tap room in the exchange on William Avenue, make a point of doing it. You can try all the incredible Little Brown Jug beers, especially the flagship 1919. And if you can't make it down, they do deliver Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays online at littlebrownjug.ca or, of course, you can pick up the 1919 and all the other Little Brown Jug offerings at your local beer store or Manitoba Liquor Marts. Now, well, Ken Weeb's going to join us coming up in just a couple of minutes. Um, but we will talk, and I mentioned this right off the top, and interested to hear what people in the chat have to say about the reaction to this proposal from the Canadian Football League to the CFLPA. I was connecting with Ted Wyman a little earlier, and uh, he did mention that I guess there's a conference call for the PA coming up this afternoon at 4 p.m. So uh, CFL fans, I would pay attention to your Twitter feeds with uh, Ken, uh, sorry, Jeff, Ted, of course, and uh, the folks over at Three Down Nation for the latest uh, on it. That being said, bomber season is right around the corner. Cannot wait to get going and uh, do a little tailgating and gather with folks beforehand in the bomber tailgate area, which is brought to you by our friends over at Princess Auto. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two local locations, Portage Avenue West, Panet Road, and you can shop online and get the wheels turning on your next project 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. All right, Weaver is coming up right away and I should mention... Uh, if you haven't had enough Kenny and Rennie lately, the boys are going to be back at it tonight, 5 to 6 p.m., getting ready for the Western Hockey League Round 2 between Moose Jaw and Winnipeg Ice. A great catch-up with Brian Munns, and now let's bring Weber into the program to uh, to get things hopefully back on the rails after a uh, quite a start to the program today. <laughs> Kenny, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, it's great to be with you. Uh, you know that you're supposed to leave the... Oh, you're uh, Good afternoon, Huss. Uh, we've got the... Uh, Hold on, Ken. It, it doesn't matter where I'm at. We're still haunted by the mute monster at times. <laughs> and I would, I would, I have a feeling it's on our end, Kenny. Check one, two, one, two, one, two. There we go. There we go. We are... <laughs> you know that the, the technical difficulties are supposed to be reserved for the K&R show. Uh, it's great to be with you on this Friday and... Uh, you know, for Remo, the chief technical officer, uh, I, I am quick to report uh, an upset of epic proportions, an even better upset when one Michael Remus knocked Ken Weeb out of the home run derby. Uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott, Scott Billick has uh, stolen the media championship belt with a crisp 88 this morning at uh, Oakwood Golf Course. Yep. Whoa. He, sh he shaved me by one stroke. Yes. Billick. I didn't know yeah. Billick could 
ball like that. Ah, you know, listen, it, shout, out, round. shout out to Billick, number one on the power pole right now, <laughs> out of, coming out of the coming out of the first week of the season. Uh, yeah, great. I was just mentioning Breezy's opening next week. I know a bunch of the golf courses are going. We finally got some beautiful weather. That being said, Ken, we've had no shortage of storylines in and around the Winnipeg Jets. Listen, we're going to get to all the big stories coming out of last week, but this is interesting, sure. and I'm not sure how much you know. I certainly don't know much about this guy, but the Jets just announced in the last hour they've signed a goaltender, Oscar Salmanen, a two-year entry-level deal. Uh, he spent last season with Ukurit of the Finnish Liga, where he was coached by Jets alumni Oli Jokinen. 55 games, he was 29-14-11, and 11, nine shutouts, a 2.07 goals against average, and a 9.20 save percentage. He led the Liga in wins, saves, minutes played, and tied for first in shutouts. You know, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the goaltending position very often, Ken, because, oh, listen, we've got Connor Hellebuck, Eric Comrie's been the guy, but it has been interesting. None of the goalies, I mean, particularly Mikhail Burden, have really stepped up, and I guess on the other side of things with this signing, we should mention, and I'm not sure how significant this is or isn't, but Mikhail Burden's rights were traded in the last day or so in the Continental Hockey League as well. So uh, some interesting moves on the depth chart when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets and this Finnish goaltender they've just signed. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I got a note from Pecky Alonen on the drive back from uh, St. Anne there. So he was very impressed by him this year. Uh, it says he has a contract for next year with Eucharist. Uh So again, not sure if he's coming over next season or not, I guess would be a possibility, I guess, depending on how the camp goes and how things shake down. Uh, for now, Huss, it's an insurance policy for, and it's twofold, right? I mean, Eric Comrie is a group six unrestricted free agent. We expect Eric Comrie to be back with the Winnipeg Jets. This is a good situation for him. Uh, he knows he's probably looking at a few more games played next year. Uh, but I mean, you know, he has earned the right to look around because he didn't get into enough action based on his age and experience level. Uh, the thing with Burden is interesting. Burden still has the one year left on his deal, and it's a one-way contract, but he's also not no longer exempt from waivers. So there's a little bit of a protection policy in there. And again, the other thing that we can't forget about, I mean, look what Evan Cormier did this year, right? He kind of went in and kind of stole the backup job, I guess, in some ways, Arvid Holm, you know, a bit of a different season for him. There were some some good moments, but uh, he's still in that sort of project mold as well. So, yeah, certainly interesting. Uh, I'm curious to see him live and in action. And uh, then again, interested to see if, you know, I don't know, at 22 years old, is he ready to challenge for a backup job? I mean, you probably want to get him more games than the 20 or so or 22 that you would be expected in that role here. But uh, it's like pitching in baseball, Huss. You can never have enough good goaltending depth and you never know what, you know, again, goalie is voodoo a lot of times. So the more the more lottery tickets, the better. But uh, I think the most important thing coming out of this week as it pertains to goalies uh, is what Elliot Friedman told us on our on our season wrap-up show that, you know, there were some whispers that maybe Connor Hellebuck was among that group that wasn't sure about the direction. Um, he is committed to the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, provided they are wanting to be a competitive team. And with that, we know that they're that that is their intention so uh, I don't see anything happening uh, at the goaltender position with the Winnipeg Jets in terms of Connor Hellebuck and where his place in the uh, pecking order will be. Ken, you've got me intrigued that you were texting with Pekka Yelonen. Um, uh, can we go he, back up the text chain and uh, see some of the other heaters that I'm sure he's had coming out? He certainly has quite sorry. a bit to say on Twitter. I, he I, does. No, this was this was. I had not had one from him in, in quite some time, so I, I don't. I do not have a. Uh, if, if there was a leaked messages. 
there would not be any smoking guns in here, I don't believe. So, well, but it I, had been quite a while. There's for that's for sure. Uh, listen, Yelonen, um, you know, certainly being from Finland, has had some pretty pointed comments about Patrick Laine's departure here. And uh, and listen, I mean, it's all part of a bigger conversation, uh, specifically about Mark Scheifele and to an extent Captain Blake Wheeler. But you know, we spoke last weekend going or last week going into these final couple games. Um, we had said, oh, it'll be really interesting to hear what we were going to hear afterwards. I don't think anyone could have imagined on both the scathing criticism from a player like Paul Stastny and, uh, you know, the comments from Mark Shifley that have not just people here in Winnipeg talking about it, but people around the league talking about what they saw from the Jets franchise player, for lack of a better term, for all this time. Yeah, it's interesting. Us. I mean, Mark's been candid at various points this season, and uh, that was probably him at his most candid. Uh, I mean, a little bit maybe surprising at the nature of the commentary. Uh, just, I mean, for a leader, again, we're, we've spent a lot of time this week, you know, in you know, <laughs> interpreting the commentary. Um, I think Mark made it pretty clear that he would like to see or hear certain things about the direction. Uh, but the most important thing, you and I have been talking about this for about a month now, Huss. I mean, what did he say in terms of where he wanted to be in terms of that direction? Because to be given Mark's ability, he could be the one shaping the direction that the Jets are going to be going in. So I'd be curious. That was supposed about the- to happen for the last three years, Ken. And I hate to say no. it, I think from everything that we've heard, I think he has been shaping the direction they're going in and the direction that's brought them to right now. It's pretty hard to take all the comments from his teammates any other way, in my opinion. No, fair enough, Huss. But what I mean is that what is Mark saying in terms of what his role is going to be? Is he open to a position change to moving to right wing potentially? If that means helping, you know, reduce the defensive responsibilities, does he, does he feel this team is on the verge? Can they be competitive right away? Uh, Or does he see this as being more of a retooling and maybe he'd like to go elsewhere uh, to try to, I mean, you talked about it all week in two years, Mark would like a big ticket contract bigger than the one that he signed that got him the $49 million over eight seasons. So, um, I mean, you also talked about it. He's had a big role here in terms of almost always having the most ice time among forwards. So um, I'd be curious about the direction. Uh, You know, I would think that that meeting lasted quite a long time. Us, I think that Mark clearly had some things that he wanted to get off of his chest. And I would imagine this wasn't just a one-way conversation would be how I would say uh, that probably would have gone. That would be one where you do a lot of the listening. And then there's probably a lot of the rebuttal that may have happened in those situations and scenarios as well. I mean, again, I know you've been taking percentages. I would say right now, without knowing the contents of Monday's meeting, it would seem unlikely that Mark is going to be on the roster in October. But us at the same time, we know this about the Jets. Even when they appear to be backed into a corner, they don't panic and make it the first deal that comes to them. So, um, you know, again, I think that Mark Shifley is most likely moved at the NHL draft. If the right offer is out there, um, you know, again, it's way too early in the Stanley cup playoffs to know who's going to get bounced in the first round. But what we know so far is that the Boston Bruins are off to a terrible start and they don't have Patrice Bergeron signed for next season. So, would Mark Scheifele be a guy that could give that team some offense? Boston did pretty well with their last high-end first rounder that needed a change of scenery in terms of Taylor Hall. I mean, 
Mark Shifley to Taylor Hall, that would seem to have a lot of offensive potential. So, I mean, again, I, I just mentioned Boston Huss because we know at the Andrew Kopp sweepstakes, Jake DeBrusque is a guy looking for a change of scenery. Now Mark Shifley potentially looking, could there be a fit there? Again, it could be a bigger deal. It could include you know, pieces on the back end, could include draft picks. Well, let but, me ask you this. Let me ask you this from a general manager perspective. And you can put the Chevy hat on right now. Um, sure. Elliot Friedman and I certainly agree. He was on with you and Rennie and said that, make no mistake about it, regardless of how maybe the image is tarnished a little bit in the season and, you know, whatever people are saying around the league, there will be a big market for Mark Shifley. So assuming that that is the case, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff and you realize I got to move this guy, what is the what 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 sort of a deal makes the most sense for the Winnipeg Jets? What is on Kevin's wish list when he's talking to other GMs about a potential Mark Shifley trade? Yeah, it's super interesting. Us to me, it's almost like when you're going into the draft. It's I think in a lot of ways it could still be best player or package available. I know naturally the Jets would think you'd want to you know one or one B center to come back, but to me it's deeper than that. What is Paul Stastny doing? Because if if Paul Stastny gives you the insulation of the 1B or 2A center, then you don't necessarily need a center back. And then maybe you can get a higher scoring winger. And you know, you also have Cole Perfetti potentially. Again, more likely he plays on the wing, but you have Cole as the option to be in that center mix. And then who knows? I mean, if the Jets, you know, if the New York Rangers can get to round three and there's a second first round pick in there, you know, could the Jets have a futures element where they get a third first round pick potentially or a second if the Rangers pick doesn't get turned from a second to a first? Is that and important get- for them, though? I mean, like when, when I look at this and the job for Shevel Dayoff right now with the new three year deal and the window going forward, um, I, I'm not sure that, you know, getting a package involving picks and prospects and futures is what helps them right now. Because I think it's pretty clear after the disappointment of this season, if they don't quote unquote blow it up, the expectation will be that the new head coach and the player moves in the off season, take this team from where they are right now and put them to where they want to be a year from now. And that's playing in the Stanley cup playoffs. For sure. Huss. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, proposing a rebuild by any stretch. What I am saying is that if there's the potential to move into the top five to eight and there's a Connor Geeky potential there. He was not playing on the Jets next season, probably, but maybe it's in that second year. So you have the one-year bridge with Stastny that can get you to a Connor Geeky or a big center like him. It can still there can be a present and a futures element or component to it, depending on who you're dealing with, Huts, right? Because most Stanley Cup contenders aren't giving a top-line center in return for one because they're trying to get themselves over the top or speed up the process of being a contender. So it's very interesting us. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here and I'm not trying to punt on the play here. A lot of this depends on Pierre-Luc Dubois. Is he interested in long-term? If Pierre-Luc Dubois is on a bridge, then yes, then the Jets do need a center back probably. But if Paul Stastny is interested in a return, which he seems open to, it won't be the only option he considers. But if he's open to a return and you have Cole Perfetti in reserve, then, you know, again, and I also talked about Philadelphia before, then you can go to a package that includes an Ivan Provorov or maybe a Travis Konechny, right? And then you use some of the internal options down the middle. But, I mean, it's a fascinating uh, stretch of time. Uh, Again, Dubois and Shifley, they're, they're interlocking in some ways, but 
until you get a, an idea of where Dubois is at, it's not as easy to turn the page on Shifley, at least in my in my opinion, us. I mean, because you don't want to see us if you're Kevin Chevaldeoff, you don't want to see a scenario where in two seasons you don't have either one of Mark Shifley or Pierre-Luc Dubois in the fold, because the reason that part of the reason you got Dubois in the first place was to combine with Mark Shifley in that one-two slot. So Again, much like you said about Andrew Kopp at the start of the year, if Andrew Kopp moves at the deadline, that means the Jets are in a big-time pickle. The same would apply this summer when it comes to Shifley and Dubois. So I think the market will be uh, wide. But again, for people thinking that Mark Shifley is going to be traded in the next little while, no, the Jets are going to wait until you see another team or two that's disappointed, that gets knocked out, that may be interested in entering the Mark Shifley sweepstakes. Right, you're not just wanting to limit the pool of teams interested or avail, you know, that have cap space available. So, and the thing about Mark, hey, we know this. The other teams know there are defensive deficiencies, but what those other teams know is that Mark Shifley is at a premier offensive player at a number that is you know, conducive to most salary cap situations, even if you're a cap ceiling team. So, while I've seen some people dismissive of, oh well, the Jets are selling low on Shifley. Well, they're not selling low on what he does well. What he has done well is be a point-of-game player for six consecutive seasons. And what are we seeing from most of the teams that are either struggling to get into the playoffs or advance in the playoffs? They either don't check well enough or they don't score enough. So Mark Shifley checks at least one of those boxes. So there will be some appeal to his situation as well. But, man, that week of the draft, whether it's two first-round picks for the Jets or one, it figures to be, you know, even the year the Trouba was moved, that was, a, that was a year where there was a lot of excitement maybe around the team. But the fact that that trade got made leading up to the draft, not in on-site, I think this week, this year you would, it's more likely to see something on-site where it could be uh, have a pretty big ripple effect uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, listen, I expect something to happen with Shifley in and around the draft. I'm with you. I mean, I don't think it's the imminent in the next week or two. Uh, barring some guy wanting to come to the front of the line and blow Kevin Chevaldeoff's doors away, which, I mean, could happen. But I think, you know, the best case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets is having a number of players um, and, you know, involved in the, in the deals. And, you know, maybe that uh, ups the value as far as what you're going to get back. But as far as the being patient, I mean, honestly, Ken, I mean, and I think I'd thought this for a while, but I think it was <laughs> eminently clear coming out of the weekend. I think, like, listen, if we're seeing all this and we've been talking about it all year, you don't think the people inside the organization know and, uh, sure. and 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 to me, this is it's hard to imagine. We're actually comparing Evander Kane to Mark Shifley, but I'm going to do it right now because they knew that Mark uh, that Evander Kane wanted out for a while. And they said, well, that's nice. We'll let you know. And it <laughs> waited until there was a complete implosion in the dressing room with the infamous tracksuit incident that Evander Kane got traded to me this past week was the tracksuit incident, if you will. Right. And, I mean, this is pushing them forward, whether they wanted to or not, however long that they've been thinking about it. To me, they are at that point right now. But, you know, to che in Chevaldeoff's favor, just going back to what we've seen, um, you know, this isn't a guy with a huge rap sheet of doing a bunch of things. I mean, listen, there'll be some murmurs around the way he handled himself and what's going on in Winnipeg in the dressing room. But the bottom line is he has been so productive that there will be plenty of teams that'll be in on it. And uh, 
I actually think from a perspective that you could have with two years left on this deal, and we've been talking about this all year, just the timing might be right to get the biggest bang for your buck and make a significant trade that helps you in the present and into the future. I really do think these next couple weeks or next couple months, excuse me, for Kevin Sheveldayoff is that time. Yeah, critical, Huss. I mean, it's a critical time for the organization. They just went through one of their biggest disappointments, right? I mean, based on expectations. So, um, you know, the best way to, you know, try to restore some of that, you know, faith in the brand and faith in the team on the ice would be to make moves that will improve the hockey club, right? I mean, I know that a lot of people wanted to hear more from Kevin Sheveldayoff earlier this week, but it's all the same. We've been talking about this for weeks. It's all about the actions, right? The actions have to suggest the Jets are not happy with the status quo and, I'm here to tell you, I don't think they are happy with the status quo. There are important and essential pieces to build around, but they need to round out the roster. Because if we look at the teams that are in the playoffs, even look at a team like the Los Angeles Kings, Hus, they're in an easier division, but they play four lines and they had a ton of injuries, right? So they advanced this year and they were one of the teams wasn't expected to be a playoff team. Now, much like Winnipeg, Vegas expected to be a playoff team and a contender. So now you're not only not only are you competing with the teams that made the playoffs, you're competing with the teams that are disappointed they missed out on. And those teams are going to be making moves to bolster their roster. I mean, even look at Chicago last year, Hus. They made a ton of moves that were expected to help them and still missed. So now they're kind of resetting on the reset. But, I mean, the Jets are going to have to bolster the roster. There are some internal candidates that will help them. We know that. But they got to make room on the back end, and they're going to have to get some resolution on the Mark Shifley situation. Either you have a full buy-in or you move the player for pieces that can help you both in the short term and the longer term as they try to. Now, again, we before we were saying widen the window. Now we're back to saying crack the window back open because when the captain says you can't call yourselves a contender anymore, that's a pretty important, again, us, out of all these important statements, that's a pretty important one as well. Again, he didn't say that they couldn't be one again, but they're basically starting. I mean, again, square one he used also. I'm not sure the Jets are at square one, but they're definitely resetting and they're going to have to reestablish themselves before they move out of bubble status. Well, you know, let's talk about the captain for a second because, I mean, he has always been, you know, it has been Shifley and Wheeler, Shifley and Wheeler, and that changed a right. little bit under Dave Lowry. Um, you know, he certainly didn't have comments like like Mark did on Sunday, but it was, um, well, put it this way, Paul Stastny felt that he needed to interject himself and say what really need to be said. If Mark Shifley's traded, where does that leave Blake Wheeler with the Winnipeg Jets, do you think? Yeah, as for me... They're not attached at the hip anymore uh, for me, whether in terms of their on or off ice, uh, whatever else uh, we want to talk about. Yes, they have been tied together for a long time. Um, you know, Blake played some of his best hockey without Mark this year. So if you're in management or if you're a Jets fan, um, I would say Blake's season as a whole was pretty good, you know, minus the injury that knocked him out of those games. I mean, he was almost a point of game player at 35 years of age. I mean, I know you talked about it with Marat. I mean, the next step in this evolution for the Jets is getting first-line right-wing minutes for Nikolai Ehlers, potentially, right? I mean, Blake's probably going to help the Jets more by playing less, right? That doesn't mean that he's not a valuable 
piece of the equation. I'm almost, I'm almost meaning less than like what's happening on the ice. Because as I said, if Blake Wheeler's on this team, he's going to be playing. And whether, you know, I think Logic, a new coach, would probably want to get more to Nikolai Ehlers and maybe he's on a second or third line. But I'm, yeah. I'm speaking more as the captain, as the leader of this team. I mean, the leadership group was always Shifley and Wheeler and Josh Morris, who is more of a quiet leader that became louder as was needed throughout this season. But I, I, I just mean more as the guy here in Winnipeg. Like, if he's back, does that change next year? Yeah, for me, Hus, I, I just think we've talked about this before. The Jets have a bunch of emerging leaders. Um, could they use some more air to spread out a little bit more, spread out and, you know, expand even further? I can understand why people make that argument. I, I just don't think that it's a all or nothing scenario where you I, either, if you're the Jets, you either have both of them or you have none of them. I, I don't see that as being necessarily what the end result is. Is it possible that they're both gone? I mean, sure, but I certainly wouldn't be betting a large sum on that, uh, you know, precipitating or ending up in that regard. Um, You know, is it possible they go to the Minnesota Wild Road and they remove both Suter and Parise from the equation? I mean, I guess this would be the first year that you would mention that that's a possibility, but I don't think that we're far enough down the road where that's a... Uh, essential piece of them moving forward. But I mean, we also don't know what Blake Wheeler said in his meetings, Huss, right? Is it po- We know there was an emotional toll for Blake Wheeler this year. He wore that when he spoke and you saw it in body language and things of that nature. Did Blake get to a situation where he's like, you know, I might enjoy playing elsewhere. I think it's possible, but I don't think that he is at that situation unless he comes to that point after some time of reflection, which we know is something that Blake has done in the past. He's spoken openly about his talks with Sam and talks about where he needs to go in the future. But I would say it's a little bit premature to say, Huss, it's an all or nothing situation. I know that's not exactly what you said, but I know some people are wondering if that's going to be the case. Um, yeah, I don't think I so. Think- and I've said on this show, I mean, I do think Blake Wheeler can be part of the solution here and part of going forward, you know, if uh, if you know if they do make the move with Mark Schleifel. But I just think it might not be as the undisputed, clear-cut alpha of the room. Um, and I think things will be a little different. And obviously, the new head coach will be a big, big part of that. We can talk coaching next week, but just one more for you, Kenny. Sure. Coming out, you've been in thousands of media availabilities over the course of your career. You ever heard anything like what Paul Stastny said uh, on Sunday? Like I, I, I still, I've listened to it probably thirty times. I've watched the body language of it, and it almost gets more extraordinary every time I look at it. It was very pointed, Huss. And it, let's again, I understand that people are saying you know it shouldn't be an emotional time, but here's the thing. I mean, it, it's not emotional like if you get knocked out of a game seven. But like Paul Stastny has given this subject a lot of thought. So this is something that obviously was bothering him and felt needed to be said. I mean, you can understand that that's part of the issue here. We talk, I mean, when there's been all this discussion about improving the culture and all those things, this is very simple. If you don't have any everyone pulling in the same direction, it doesn't matter how much talent a team has. You can't have success. It's that simple. So the fact that Paul felt it was important enough to say, I applaud him. I mean, some people are out there saying, oh, well, he's a pending UFA. There's there's no stake in it for Paul Stastny. That's not true either. Paul Stastny's not just pulling the pin on a grenade and saying, oh, here, why don't you guys deal with this mess that I'm <laughs> going to create for you? Paul genuinely, as someone who is part of the leadership group 
And, you know, we both agree he has become the conscience of the Winnipeg Jets since Brian Little has departed um, because of the injury. Um, it was important enough for him to say. And I think that is why, I mean, again, as Murat told you, Blake had given a pretty good answer to that point. But Paul was like, you know what, Blake, let me take it from here. You may not want to go here, but I do. And so that's why they went down that road. And we all know this. Paul doesn't have to say Mark's name by name. We know that that was the direction things were headed. And you know what? Mark respects Paul. Listen to what Mark has said about Paul since the first time he arrived on the scene in Winnipeg, right? So sometimes when you've been in a place for a long time, and this is why I think it's even more important coming from Paul Stastny because of where he's played and the other people and leaders that he's played with in places like Colorado, in places like St. Louis, where they had a good team, but they couldn't get over the top until after he was gone. In Vegas, where they had a winning program, but they couldn't get over the top there either. I mean, Paul knows what a winning team needs to look like. And right now he wasn't seeing that they were looking like they needed to look or sound like. So to me, it wasn't just something that popped into Paul Stasny's head. This is something he felt was important. And you know what? He wanted Mark to interpret it that way. Otherwise, I don't think he would have said it. Because, us, we also know this. You can be sure that Paul Stasny probably said that to Mark's face before he said it publicly. But maybe he didn't get the response he was looking for. So maybe then he felt it was important to say it publicly. Because the other part, when, when he got into the accountability... He talked about how he likes it when the coach calls out a player. But that, but that's the other thing, Huss, for me. I'm glad he said it, but I'm not sure a 22- or 23-year-old player feels the same way about getting dressed down publicly as a 35- or 36-year-old player, right? So, And again, Paul might have been one of those guys who was okay with it at that age, and I applaud him for it. And I mean – I, 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 I'm, I'm a big proponent of the constructive criticism, whether you're doing it publicly or at a podium. Well, or the in public a is always the last call. Is is, is the exactly. last? Like, I mean, it's like, more like, of a it's last like everything has been done inside the room, and finally, all right, this is this is the last shot. Hey, everyone, it, this is broken. It's a plea for help, basically, is what it is. And you know what? <laughs> if the folks up there in the office don't see it, well, here it is. I'll just lay it out on a platter for you. <laughs> now deal with it, right? So. Again, that we talked about it a lot in the last month, Huss. To me, that's ownership. You're not just saying that for effect. Paul Stasty is not a hot takes kind of person. He's a methodical, deep thinker. He's given this a lot of thought. And whether he's leaving out the door to join the uh, Florida Panthers or the Colorado Avalanche, he's basically saying, you know what? Here's my gift to you. If you solve this issue, you might be able to move forward. And you know what? I might even come back if if you solve this issue. So yeah, well, I think anyways, it's, if they do solve that issue, I think they need him even more. If you know what I'm saying, I fair. mean, for for a number of reasons. Hey, we got to run. We're going to talk derby with Kirk Contois, but uh, quickly tee up what you and Rendog are going to be doing today at five. Yeah, fun day. We got another round two tee up here. We had a lot of great feedback on uh, round one when we were at the ice cave. Uh, Sean uh, will be doing the show from home, but I'll be on site. I think we got uh, Teddy Wyman coming in. We got uh, ice general manager Matt Cockle will be joining us. And uh, KO is also going to join us as well. And uh, one last plug. I know you saw it, Huss, and you sent a lot of people over, but uh, our friend and colleague Dennis Bayak was with us on our long form show on Thursday. Uh, storytelling at its finest. Uh, had me in stitches as usual. <laughs> 
uh, with his delivery and uh, and shots at Weeb's world. Uh, but yeah, it was even too. Uh, he reminded me of one of the funnier moments uh, when I tried to get into a booth with him. Uh, I can't remember if it was in Montreal or something, but I literally I was clamming over so many chords that I just about uh, you know got myself in a situation where the cord was around my neck. And uh, if Dennis hadn't uh, got me to calm down, I could have been in a, in a tough spot there. But uh, as usual, Dennis, uh, bringing the laughs and providing that great mentorship and advice. And uh, we thank him for being with us and for, for the folks you sent over. And yeah, awesome Derby weekend. Always a great weekend and going to be another great year at the Downs as well. Uh, get out and get out and enjoy it. The track is a great place to spend some time. Great stuff, buddy. Look forward to uh, seeing what you guys have cooking up at 5. And, yeah, after Winnipeg Sports Talk, if you missed it yesterday, head on over and check out their long-form uh, sit-down with Dennis Bayak yesterday. Weber, have a great weekend. Tremendous house. Great to be with hope you. you and, uh, hope have you can get over getting waxed by Billick today. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep well. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm already over it. I'm happy to uh, – it's a stick-tap situation, and uh, I'm going to do my best to get the belt back. That is a guarantee. <laughs> right on. Take it easy. There's Ken Weeb. Uh, you know, it was a wonderful uh, time at the buffet. And speaking of the buffet, Assiniboia Downs, Mother's Day coming up. We're going to get to the Derby, though, with Kirk Contois in just a second. Uh, but playoff action continues tonight. No better spot to watch. Watch it. Then Boston Pizza. Grab those gourmet pizzas, Boston Wings, a few schooners with the gang. And if you're staying home, you can always order. Check out their game day deals as well at bostonpizza.com for home delivery. And, uh, of course, I mean, it is if it ever was blizzard weather, not the blizzards that we've been dealing with for six months, but uh, the amazing DQ blizzards. Uh, now is the time to do it. Get on out. Pop by one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, our great supporters with locations in the DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Uh, amazing new Blizzard flavors coming in. And don't forget about those stack burgers as well. And hey, if you need a DQ cake for an event, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get it custom made however you like it and be able to be ready, quick and easy to pick up at any of the Nick and Nicky DQ locations. All right, Canadian Club Marble Race, our version of the Derby, coming up in just a couple minutes. But let's welcome in our good friend Kirk Contois from Assiniboia Downs to get ready for the Derby. And uh, Kirk, great to have you back on the program. It's been too long and uh, still got to wait a little bit for opening day on the 23rd out at the track. But uh, man, what a great weekend of racing we've got coming up. How are you? Yeah, no doubt about it, Hustler. A little bit different from last year, though. Last year, I was able to watch uh, the Derby on the golf course. Possible again tomorrow, but uh, last year was a gimme with the beautiful weather. It's been trying times at the Downs for us, though, with the racetrack, trying to get it ready with the snow that came, the wetness. But we are persevering through. And with the Derby here, we're excited as can be and getting ready to go for opening day. Yeah, well, listen, just quickly before we get to the Derby, I mean, speaking of opening day on the 23rd, I mean, you mentioned there's been a lot of challenges to, I mean, all sorts of industries, wherever you are in southern Manitoba. How are things coming along? And uh, what's the vibe out by the track as we get closer to the 23rd of May? Oh, the vibe is great now. Horses are out in full force on the racetrack. It is absolutely in perfect condition compared to even early last week where the weather was still challenging for us. And uh, one of the challenges we have is when it's cold overnight and the track freezes, people don't know this, but the tractor has to keep going around 
24-7 so it doesn't freeze up and get a bunch of chunks on there because what that'll do is essentially hurt the horses. It's just like yourself running on uh, frozen mud, let's say. So we keep that going 24-7, but with the weather breaking the way it is now, we have upwards of 60 horses working every day, and uh, the vibe around the track, it's just eclectic with all the jockeys starting to come in now and everybody excited for opening day because a lot of them, it's opening paychecks because a lot of them have been in the Caribbean for the last two years over COVID, unable to get here. No doubt. Well, we cannot wait for the 23rd, but let's focus in on the big one. This weekend, Kentucky Derby, and doing a little research beforehand, another massive field right now, and it sort of seems like there's two favorites, but it does seem pretty wide open. Uh, give us a big picture before we dive into a few of your favorite picks, Kirk. Okay, the big picture is 20 horses will go to post, but unlike other years, there is no clear-cut favorite. We had a central quality last year, the one that everybody undefeated. It was going to win. It ended up running fourth. But the favorite this year is at 3-1, to one, and that's Zandon, the 10-horse. And Epicenter's at 7-2. to Those are kind of the co-favorites on the board. But even with speaking with a lot of people around the industry and a lot of my friends who are going to wager on the race, we're all looking that the favorite might go off at about $10, which would be absolutely unheard of that a horse is double digits and the favorite in the Kentucky Derby. Well, that, that, and so and why would that be? I mean, you know, they've got the opening lines out, but I guess the, the feeling is that many people are going to be on other horses and that will push the number from three to one to potentially as high as 10 to one or five to one, I guess on a $2 bet. Yeah. Four to one. But uh, the, the thing is this year compared to last year, last year we had five horses undefeated coming into the race this year. There's only one and it has only started twice. So it's still really a relatively unknown horse, only limited ability. Hasn't really tested the big boys yet in many starts, only one start. So there isn't anybody clear cut there's speed in the race. There's I the more than I've seen, 20 and 30 to 1 horses make up about 65% of the field, which is never I at, that I've seen happen, at least in the last 20 years. And I like quite a few of those ones at 20 and 30 to 1. Well, I mean, you mentioned Zandon 3 to 1, Epicenter 7 to 2 are the favorites. Hockey fans, I'm sure, took note of the 8-to-1 horse, Messier. And then you mentioned you got a couple 10-to-1s, White, Abario, and Mo Donegal, and Taiba at 12-to-1 before we get to that big, big group of 20 and higher. Um, up, you know, from Zandon and Epicenter, in between that group, Messier to Taiba, is there a horse in that mid-range odds that sort of stands out as the best bet to you? Well, for stretch, that's he's going to Messier. He really likes the way that horse is running. But myself, Smile Happy is at 20 to 1. And I thought that was an absolute crazy morning line on this horse because it started four times. It's only lost twice. And both of them were second place finishes to Epicenter and Zandon, the two favorites. And they're giving it a 20 to 1 morning line. And this horse has shown great running style from just off the pace in a stocking roll. And so I'm all over that 20 to one. 
And uh, I think that running style really suits well in this field. Yeah, big group of 20s, smile happy, as Kurt just mentioned, Crown Pride, Charge It, Simplification, Cyber Knife, and Zozos. And then another, what, eight horses at 30 to 1. Um, happy Jack, Tiz the Bomb. Remember that name? We had a number of Tiz horses out at uh, out at the Downs over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. Any uh, any horses in that bottom group that you think might be uh, making somebody very, very rich on Saturday? Well, I- I'm looking at another 20 to 1 shot, maybe Crown Pride. It's a little Japanese horse that's uh, racing across the seas. But uh, we've seen the Japanese horses do very well at Breeders' Cup this year. It was their breakout year. Their big horse, Love, got it done. They had a couple under that at 50-1 to winning. So they won three of the Breeders' Cup races. And that was the total that mostly they've started and not even hit the board in the last 20 Breeders' Cup. So maybe the Japanese horse, because I don't think it'll go off as 20-1. to I think it's going to be more like the 40-1 to variety. But Crown Pride, the seven, you might want to look at that one. And uh, it definitely, with Japan, the way it did in Breeders' Cup, you might want to give a second look. Now, uh, obviously, value as far as what the odds are will come into play, Kurt. But uh, if you had just one toonie and you were going to th- go up to the window and put it on one horse, is it Smile Happy at 20 to 1 that uh, is your favorite pick for the Derb? It definitely is. But you know what? I wouldn't just jump straight to the win. Because I think in Smile Happy's race, I'm going to actually make a sizable show bet on it because I think I'm going to get around $7, which if you got a horse that pays $7 to win, 20 gets you 70. I'm looking at the show pool. All I got to do is run third, even though it is a 20 horse field and he's never run worse than second. If I can get $7 on a show, I will be giggling all the way to the bank. No doubt about that. Now, I, I know there'll be a lot going on at the track for the weekend. Fill us in on that, as well as what you and Stretch will be doing, teeing up the big races on the AS Downs, the ever-popular AS Downs YouTube channel. You betcha. Me and Stretch, we pre-taped the show yesterday. We did races 7 through 12. Race 12 is the Derby. There's 14 races throughout the day. The Downs opens at 9 o'clock to get ready for all the action. Me and Stretch started on race 7 through race 12. So we got the 20-cent pick 6, which is mandatory payout. So if there isn't 6 winners, it goes to 5 winners. And all the money's got to go. There's probably going to be close to 5 to 10 million, something like that, in the pick 6. So there's a lot of money on the line. And uh, so we got there, help go to ASD.com and ASD Live, myself and Stretch 2022 Kentucky Derby, try and give you some of the winners in there. And hopefully you can get a little ticket together for a 20 cent ticket, maybe spend it 12 bucks or something. And if you can get it, I think the minimum that it'll pay is a thousand. Wow. Well, that is so exciting. And uh, it's exciting just knowing that we're going to be back seeing you guys in person very soon, May 23rd, opening day at Assiniboia Downs. But uh, first things first, the first leg of the Triple Crown and the Kentucky Derby. Of course, you can get down to Assiniboia Downs and take it all in and bet there at the track. Or you can get online to hpibet.com and place your wagers there. Kurt Contois, thanks for doing this. Say hi to Stretch, Double D, Sherry and the gang. Can't wait to see you guys out at the track real soon. I definitely will, Hustler. You take care, and good luck with all your wagers. <laughs> Thanks so much. There it is. Kirk Contois, Kentucky Derby, goes tomorrow. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Uh, we have, uh, what? well, 
listen, we do have to get to cool bet lines. Uh, but as we just mentioned, we were talking Kentucky Derby. The WST Marble Derby is about to go down. Um, as we do that, we've got a great partner in Canadian Club Whiskey who has given us some great WSTCC hoodies. And uh, that is our version of the Masters Green Jacket. Congratulations to Jerry Bluda, who won last week. We're going to hook up with Jerry quickly and get him his hoodie. But right now is your chance to do it. So, uh, Remo, are we good? We want to open up uh, open up the registration in the YouTube chat for folks. Take a look for the prompt, and uh, you'll see it'll say put in exclamation mark marbles. You'll have a couple minutes to uh, count yourself in, and we'll get to the cool bet lines. Check out tonight's hockey action, and then uh, and then get going with uh, with the marble race at the end of this uh, very interesting edition of WST today. Yeah, this has been an interesting one. Um... <laughs> Uh, and that's a, that's a good way to put it. So yeah, if you're tuning in and it looks a bit different, you know, 20 minutes before the, I think it was actually five minutes before the show. You're like, uh, my internet. Yeah, it was 1251, 12:51. Like, uh, the internet, my building. My out. In- yeah. My internet's not working. And I was like, Oh, did you try unplugging it and plugging it back in? Yep. And we did that a couple times. It didn't go. Thankfully we live close together. Took twenty five minutes for you to get here and us to get on. So get on the air. Well, you did a great, you did a very great quick pickup here. You know, we got the lights going on. Luckily, uh, the, the other great thing was being in Vegas last week. I had all our additional equipment all packed up, ready to go. So basically, grabbed the bags, got over here. We got the mixer, we got the headsets, uh, and now we have the marbles. So uh, I don't have the YouTube chat up on us right now. Remo, are we good or is our things open? Yeah, it's open. People are putting in the names. Yeah, so if it looks a bit different. You know, again, we set this up in like 20 minutes. Like, you're sitting on a my kitchen chair <laughs> with some patio furniture as a desk. Um, hey, whatever it takes, whatever yeah, it takes that, to get the show on the air today, here, folks. Sounds, yeah, sounds good. That's all that matters. Video, and we got some lighting in here. We didn't have time to do a lot of the normal adjustments that I would do, so. Uh, it is what it is. But, hey, it's been a great show. Fun to have Kurt on. Of course, Munzee, Pagnotta, Ken We We really have packed it all into today's show. But you know, it's Friday. That means we're not done until we drop the marble. So uh, right now, if you're with us in YouTube, just put in exclamation mark marbles. We'll give you a minute to uh, catch to to uh, get those uh, those spots in. And then we'll gather all the names, throw them in for the marbles on stream finale to the week. And our winner will do the winner Gets the uh, gets the hoodie, mm-hmm. and the last place marble. I always like when we do this. The final marble across the line will uh, hook you up with the DQ ice cream cake from our friends over at Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, while uh, you do that, thirty seconds or so, Remus can grab uh, can uh, give you a final call and then grab them in. Let's get to our cool bet lines today. And by the way, a few people wondering where the lock shop was today. Um, Dustin Nielsen's involved in the hockey helps the homeless at a game right when we normally do it. Uh, we'll put something together either later on tonight or probably tomorrow. Uh, but definitely follow myself at Hustlerama. Dusty at Nielsen, TSN 1260, and the Lock Shop at Lock Shop Bets, and we'll fire out some picks uh, for tomorrow's games. But I can tell you right now, some real interesting matchups. It's going to be a great night of hockey. The Bruins backs against the wall, minus 133 at home. The Canes up 2 nothing. A road, uh, road dog plus 115 on the money line. 
I can't wait for this Toronto-Tampa game tonight. And again, these numbers are very, very close. Tampa, minus 115 at home. Leafs just south of even money at minus 102. And uh, just looking at the Austin Matthews goal prop as well, plus 101. Uh, and I'll be honest, I think I'm taking the Leafs tonight. I think the Leafs bounce back. I, 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 you know, Despite the fact that they lost, and I mentioned this to Dave Pagnotta, I think I feel better about the Leafs today <clears throat> than I did going into game two. Now... We'll see what happens. They're playing a hell of a hockey team. And, uh, you know, to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning four games out of seven, well, has been something no one's been able to do in the last two seasons. We'll see whether they can do it tonight. Huge game in game three tonight with the Lightning a slight favorite. Uh, the Blues are back at home after dropping game two, six to two to the Minnesota Wild. But they did get the split, which was what they came there for. Blues minus 119 at home. And the Minnesota Wild, um, you know, again, very close to this number in the Toronto-Tampa game. Uh, they're plus 102, so just north of even money for the Minnesota Wild. And then the final game of the evening, just after 9 p.m. tonight at the Staples Center in L.A., it's the Los Angeles Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. And the Kings are a home dog tonight coming home, plus 120 for the Kings and the Edmonton Oilers at minus 141. Um, I think I'm on the Leafs tonight, and I might actually jump on the Wild tonight as well. I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if the Oilers sort of ran away with this one. Reem, it seems like Edmonton got a ton of momentum coming out of that uh, big win in Game 2 after dropping the first game of the series. Uh, yeah, I really agree. I issue. I get that to, I that get wasn't to... a mute issue. I just didn't have that screen set up. Uh, I got you. Um, uh, ah, geez, I messed myself myself up. You, you were talking about oh the Oilers and uh, their uh, their big bounce back in game number two, heading into game three, just to to reset you. Yeah, just to reset me. Yeah, the the Oilers in game two, once they got the first goal, they really took it to the Kings. They you know figured out their how to play physical. First game was pretty close, and then um, you know they really found it there. So the uh, Kings got the great goal in game one. Can they get that in game two? I'm not so sure. But there, there we go. And yeah, I see people. We are having technical difficulties there, here. There's before we figured it out. Uh, I didn't add this uh, these new microphones to all of our screens. So there, there you go. No gremlin. I'm not pulling my hair yeah. out. I'm totally calm here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sweating at hey, all. Hey, this one, this one. If it happened today, it would be totally understandable. As I mentioned, if you're just popping in for the marble race, twelve fifty one. Four kilometers away, the internet went out at my spot. So uh, we had to race over. We got a little bit of a late start, but it actually has turned out quite well. Hopefully, for those of you listening on the podcast, uh, you won't even know the difference. Uh, but right now isn't about the podcast. It's about our live YouTube channel. Uh, we have closed the entries, and it's time to uh, get the marble race set up. So, uh, Remo, why don't you do that? By the way, just one more mention of, uh, of CoolBet. If you haven't played a CoolBet before, you do want to get in on the action for the weekend. Use the promo code WST, and uh, it'll give you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Um, just while Remus gets the uh, marbles ready, uh, quickly just look ahead to tomorrow's games. Uh, we got a noon game tomorrow. Florida and the Caps. Um, Florida... <laughs> Florida, good old, good old noon yeah, game. Florida would get the noon, the noon playoff game. Oh yeah, it's like the Raptors getting the noon. Over over. Exactly. Yeah. No one cares about the Panthers. We'll give them the noon. They're only the best team in the league throughout the regular season. Uh, that being said, it's all about fan bases and uh, eyeballs on sets. Panthers probably near the bottom of the playoff teams. That being said, great start to the day tomorrow. Panthers minus one eighty nine. Caps a big home underdog at plus one fifty nine. 
the Avs after that big overtime win last night against the Nashville Predators are on the road. A big road favorite, minus 217 against the Preds. Preds plus 180. And a straight-up pick em between the Rangers and the Penguins. And by the way, I guess we mentioned this a little bit with Pagnotta earlier, but Casey DeSmith, we thought he was out because of hydration issues. No, he's had core muscle surgery. He's out for the season right now. Third stringer Louis Domingue was in in game number two. They'll hope they'll be able to get Tristan Jari back at some point, but right now they're down to their third stringer. Um, Rangers in uh, Pittsburgh, a straight-up pick them. Even uh, minus 109 on both sides for tomorrow's game. That one will take place at 6 o'clock. Avs Preds at 2.30. And then the nightcap, the Calgary Flames into Dallas, tied 1-1 after the Stars shutout win last night at the Saddle Dome. Calgary minus 152 favorites and the Dallas Stars plus 129. Um, you know, Just very quickly, I'm just going to look at these series bet numbers because Tampa and Toronto... Uh, again, almost a pick them. Leafs minus 105, Tampa minus 111. Uh, obviously, the Carolina Hurricanes are a big favorite right now. Uh, but the Wild and Blues, same thing as Toronto and Tampa. Minus 111 for the Wild, minus 105 for the Blues. So uh, this series should go the distance. I'd say they go at least six. And, um, well, basically a pick them right now if you want to bet them over at Cool Bet. All right. We know what you're waiting for, folks. It is Marbles time on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remo, how are we looking and uh, where are we going today with the uh, with the marbles? So which track? We've had a few beauties lately. Um, I've got to open it. One sec. Uh, I'm ready to launch. I don't know. I have to look, but I got all names. I got 122 names. Beauty. Uh, in there, so that's pretty good. We did give away that putter cover last week. Someone was asking about that. Yep, that was the uh, that was the big uh, the big win for Mike Wynn, who uh, got that second prize, and uh, of course some uh, CC and Gingers as well. Um, and uh, you know we'll look we'll look to add some stuff. We're we're going with the first prize and last prize today. So first place gets the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie, and the last marble to successfully cross into the winner's bin, not. Eliminated, not thrown over the top rope, but the final marble to finish will set you up with a uh, DQ ice cream cake from our friends over at the Nick and Nikki DQ group. And uh, hey, one more mention of this. If you missed yesterday, got some great feedback on our interview with Phil Dos Santos, the new head coach of Valor FC. Really cool to see the support from Valor fans who were really fired up that we had him on, that we were talking about the squad. Tomorrow, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, IG Field, home opener for Valor FC. Uh, they had a really disappointing tie in the first game of the season on the road against Edmonton, giving up an equalizer in a stoppage time. They lost their second game of the season, but bounced back, putting up half a dozen in the net, scoring six goals, beating Atletico Ottawa to come back 1-1-1. Now it's time to make hay on a home field tomorrow. It's the Halifax Wanderers, the opponents for Valor FC. You can go to the Valor website if you want to get tickets for that. I am planning on being there, so... Uh, Hopefully we'll see you there. Should be a great, beautiful day to get outside and see Phil DeSantos' squad and uh, the new look Valor FC. Yeah. All right, Remo, what's the uh, what's our story for uh, for Marbles? Yeah, before we go, I do just want to add uh, this week has been some of our uh, our highest rated. We had a, I think Wednesday we had the most podcast downloads in a day uh, we've ever had. Our YouTube numbers uh, Monday's show was off the charts. Uh, close to 700 uh, people in there at a time, and we've just had a lot of views. So people, obviously, as horrible 
or disappointing as the jet season was, uh, people seem to be more interested than ever. And uh, we can we can thank uh, you know some of the comments that were made at the end <laughs> of the season for that, as we've been. We've been uh, yeah, for anyone asking us why it. we're talking about this stuff, well, there's a reason for it. Everyone's talking about it right now. But a real thanks. And we've had a nice big bump up in uh, subscriptions too. And by the way, to win, you do have to be subscribed. So if you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button on the YouTube page. And while you're at it, Give the fellas a thumbs up. Helps us spread the channel as well. So uh, everyone subscribe. Everyone's got their marbles in. Remus is getting things set up. Uh, if you haven't been around before, every Friday afternoon to finish up the program, we try and get some prizes and have some fun with the world-famous WST Marble Race. Uh, CTO, are we just about ready to drop them or what? Yeah, I'm ready to hit the theme song. Here we go. One sec. Right, let me get it all ready here. Tristan Rivers. All right, here we are. Marbles. We've got the names in. What? Uh, what's our course today, Reem? Oh, I got to pick one. Um, I don't know. What do we want here? What's good? I feel like we've already done a lot of these quite a bit. What about... Um, what is this? Pixels Raceway? What's that? Let's do it. We've sure. never done that one before. That doesn't sound too familiar. Here but we... 122 names. Nice. Thanks to everyone again for their patience. I know we got a bit of a late start. A lot of crazy things going on behind the scenes today, but we managed to pull it off. Thanks to our guests and thanks to everyone who has fun with us dropping the marbles. So this is the Pixels Raceway. I don't think we've done this one before. 122 marbles in it. First place, we'll get you a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. Thanks again to our friends at Canadian Club. Don't forget about that ready-to-drink CC and ginger available at your local beer store now. Try it. Or, of course, Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, and then the final marble to successfully cross the finish line will hook you up with a DQ cake from our friends over at Nick and Nicky DQ. If you do win, make sure to send us an email after the race at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and we'll make sure that we uh, make arrangements to get you your prizes. All right, Remo. Well, it's been a great week. Thanks again to all the support. Welcome to all the new subscribers and new people hanging with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. This is how you head into a weekend by dropping the marbles on WST. All right, they're off. They're off here. Here we go. This is interesting. Big drop at the start. T Will's in the mix. TTT Bone. What else do we have here? Stefan Marshall. Witten Holland. Frosty Winnipeg's looking good. Stefan, nice big lead. Kenny's water bottle. Kenny's water bottle's been. We see Dennis Ferreira in the mix. Pie Boy. And a little bit of a stop here. Everyone, every the uh, who's in here? Christine, Christine Wolf in the lead right now, and Dennis Ferreira getting shot forward into the Pixels Raceway. 
Now we've got some obstacles here, but uh, Christine still in front in the appropriately titled See You Later. We'll see if See You Later can say See You Later to all the other marbles and uh, get into the uh, into the front. Um, right now, Christine, though, is in first place, dealing with a few of the marbles. See You Later in second. Uh, we've got Dylan, Kevin as well. And Kenny's water bottle now into the lead and getting shot forward into the Pixels Raceway. We've got some more obstacles. Larry, Larry Tag now into the lead. And we're getting close. Could this be it? Larry, Larry's in first. There's the obstacles. Who's coming in? Oh, see you later at the end. Stefan Marshall, this is going right down to the finish. Who's it going to be? Larry Tag is the winner, narrowly beating see you later at the finish line. Oh, my God, what an incredible end. We've got a few uh, eliminations right now. And now, folks, we wait to see who the final marble will be. And you'd love to take some time getting into the obstacles right now, and maybe you can be the winner of this amazing DQ cake for the final, final winner. Uh, it looks like Moose 3 is going to be it. Is that the final one? There it is. So Larry TSG, congratulations. I think Larry's a first-time winner, although Larry's been in before. Larry, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. I'll hit you back, and we can make arrangements for you to pop by and pick uh, pick it up. And, uh, Remo, just if you want to confirm at the bottom that Moose 3 was the final marble across the way. Um, Moose, maybe just take a picture of your uh, screen so we know that you are, in fact, Moose 3. And uh, then hit us up at winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com as well. And uh, I'll talk to our guy, DQ Nick, and make sure we've got a spot for you. Um you know, with all the craziness, I'm not sure whether I mentioned uh, our friends at uh, uh, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge still looking for a couple of employees for the summer. Uh, it is an unbelievable spot for university students, uh, basically living in paradise for a few months with amazing people out on the water. And um, as I said, if you want more information on that or you know someone that's looking for maybe a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in the summer, uh, go to AkinsLake.com or hit Pit Turan up on Instagram or on Twitter, excuse me, at Aikens Lake. But uh, Larry Moose 3, congratulations. And uh, Remo, I know this show started uh, in, a, uh, in a bit of chaos, but I have to say, great guest today, great comments, great turnout in the chat as well. A fun marble race to finish up and a great way to finish up an amazing week. Last week it was Vegas. Here was one of our biggest weeks ever. We just keep on rolling. And uh, big thanks to everyone that's making us a part of their day. Yeah, this is so much fun. Uh, this week, reminder everyone to subscribe. Hit the, hit the like button as well as it pops up on the screen. But great week talking Jets. We're, you know, we're going to have a lot of news this summer. Um, who's, you know, is Mark Scheifele going to get traded? Who's the Jets coach going to be? Who are the assistants? And we also, we haven't even speculated who the next play-by-play -play voices of the Winnipeg Jets on TSN, as I think their TV coverage is going to look a lot different now that Dennis Bayak has stepped away. Um, so this has been a great, great week of shows. Our numbers on YouTube, we've got a lot new, a lot more new people in here. Podcast numbers looking great. We're moving out the podcast charts. Very exciting times. And next week we'll have the Moose Home playoffs, the ice are here this weekend. Uh, Valor, home opener. Uh, so, yeah. Exciting. Gold eyes. Gold eyes just around the mm -hmm. corner in a week as well. So, uh, listen, we'll have lots of hockey topics to talk about with the Jets offseason and the Stanley Cup playoffs. But 
everything else is getting going. Golf season starting. We got the PGA Championship coming up. Uh, but yeah, as Michael Remus re- uh, reminded you all tonight, home games today and tomorrow for the Winnipeg Ice. As Munzee said, still a few tickets remaining. Get on out there and be a part of it. Should be bananas in there. Tomorrow afternoon, Valor FC home opener. And, of course, the Moose are in Milwaukee taking on the Admirals in Game 1 and 2 of their series. And be sure to join us on Monday because we will have some Moose tickets to give away for the playoffs coming up next week. But in the meantime, count yourselves in moosehockey.com for all the ticket formation for our American Hockey League team gunning to move on in the Calder Cup playoffs and chase that Calder Cup that eluded the city in 2009. Um, Well, as you said, great week. Thanks to everyone that's been with us. And we can't do it without our great group of sponsors, including Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Find out more at AikensLake.com. Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great weekend. Uh, We'll be back, hopefully, without any technical difficulties on Monday with another big show wrapping the weekend with the latest on the playoffs, the latest on the Jets, and uh, of course, Moose, Ice, Valor, and more on Monday's WST. Thanks for being with us, gang. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.